Father, Son, Holy Spirit, open our minds and hearts to your word. Let us walk in the ways in which you instruct us. Lord, may the gospel this morning be clear. May the church be built up. And may people come to faith in you. Grant them faith today. And we pray this in the holy name of Christ. Amen. I love listening to Frank Sinatra. I don't, know, I don't know many names of his songs, but I love listening to his music in, in the background, especially at special dinners, the dinner time. I'm sure many of you are fans of his. But like many musical artists, good ones, they usually have at least one awful song. You think, oh, I love all of their songs except that one. That one's terrible. I'm going to skip uh, by that one. Well, one Frank Sinatra song that stands out to me is terrible, but it was a very popular song. My Way. You've heard it, some of you have heard it sung at funerals. It's interesting how people interpret it, that song. Lots of people love that song. Why? Well, because unknowingly to the listener, this song encompasses man's sinful nature and his pride in that sinful nature. Listen to the last stanza of this song. For what is man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. Not to say the things that he truly feels and not the words of someone who kneels. Let the record show I took all the blows and did it my way. My way. My way. We are all born into this world with this mantra. The problems of this earth are because we want things my way. We love autonomy. We hate authority and accountability. We love ourselves and hate others. But thanks be to Christ, our Savior, who has redeemed us from this spiritual death. But does this old man still creep into our minds and our hearts, even as believers? Yes. The church in Corinth, which Paul and his associate Sosthenes were writing to, had a my way problem. They liked their favorite preachers. They liked to marry whomever they wanted. They wanted to display their gifts for all to see. They wanted the Lord's Supper the way they wanted. It didn't, but it didn't turn out well for many in that crowd for desecrating the supper for their selfish practices, as we see in chapter 11 of this letter. But those, those people, those are wretched sinners. We are not like those sinners over there, those Corinthians, those tax collectors. Or are we? Brothers and sisters, once we come to Christ, we die. We die to ourselves, and we are no longer our own. We are now part of a body. We are to become members of a body. Yes, the church is spread throughout the world, but the universal church is represented in the local body. The New Testament letters, and of course, in this case, the church in Corinth, were written to local churches. Of course, these letters were to be dispersed to other local bodies. Local churches are comprised of members. 
These are folks that know Jesus, have been baptized, and have committed themselves to one another for the word and for fellowship. And Christ has reconciled us to be a part of his body. And his body is enfleshed. It's not simply a theory. It's a redeemed people that are bonded together. My way is crucified. And Christ's way in my life and in our lives is raised. So what does it mean to be a member of of the church. Well, this morning we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at verses 12 through 27. And that is uh, page 959 in the Pew Bible in front of you. 959. Now, Paul, through the infallible inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pins this section on church membership. The local church, which is who Paul is writing to here, is Christ's body. His body is composed of members. So what does this practically look like? Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, we shall see what church membership, that church membership portrays the body of Christ in our unity and in our diversity. And then we'll see how this, we put this teaching into practice. But first, church membership portrays the body of Christ in our unity. Look at verses 12 through 13, and then we're going to skip to 26 and 27 and come back. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. All right, now skip down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And that kind of bookends that section there. Now, Paul and Sosthenes write this letter to the local church in Corinth to address all kinds of issues. I mean, this place had issues. The main thing was divisions caused by a whole laundry list of problems. Cults of personality, marital issues, sexual immorality, lawsuits, disorder in the church gathering, false views of the resurrection, and the misuse and misunderstanding of spiritual gifts. And sandwiched between the topic of spiritual gifts, which is another sermon for another day, is Paul's address on church membership. Now, don't be mistaking saying church membership is not in the Bible. It's right here. However, he's not talking about a membership like being in a country club or a library membership. So if that's what you're thinking about church membership is, that's not it. Now, church membership or our understanding and practice of it comes from the apostles' metaphor here of the body and its members. A body and its body parts. And we have to have an understanding of the theology of the church before we can understand the theology of church membership. The church is an assembly. That's what the word means, a gathering. But not simply a gathering. It's a gathering of baptized believers of Jesus who have agreed to bind themselves together for the regular meeting of the preached word and the ordinances, baptism and Lord's Supper and to oversee each other's walk in the Lord Jesus. 
And after understanding this, then we have to understand the theology of church membership before we can understand the practice of it. Now, Paul, after explaining the diversity of gifts and the foundation of gifts, which are gifts of God to the church for the building up of one another, through the instruments that are members of the church. After this, he goes on to explain to us what is our role in the church. Now, not everybody has a title or an office, but everybody has a responsibility. Everybody has a responsibility. Look at verse 12. Verses 12 to 13 again. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. Now notice the repetition of the words one, many, members, body. Through these 16 verses of this passage, the word one is repeated roughly 10 times. Members, the Greek word, not always translated as such in our translation, 13 times, and the body 18 times. There is one body, and that is the one Christ. There is one spirit, and this one spirit has baptized several individuals, grasping them and making them one congregation. You notice the passive voice in these verbs here. The Spirit of God, He is the actor. We are the acted upon. He baptized us. He made us to drink of Him. Both this uh, implying that we are in fellowship with God the Father and God the Son through God the Holy Spirit, through His action. He regenerated our dead hearts and gave us new life. We were dead spiritually, and He brought us to life spiritually. And see, That's what the actual water baptism signifies. Dying in the water and being raised from the water. So we were baptized spiritually and physically into the one body. And who were made into this one congregation? Oh, it's the the hipsters. No, no, it's the, the young professionals, that affinity group, just together. No, it's the the older crowd that likes traditional things, that affinity group. No, no, no. Look again at verse 13. Jews and Greeks, slaves and free men. Different classes, different backgrounds. So what unifies this eclectic bunch? Not common interests, not common ages, not common ethnicities. No, it's the Holy Spirit through the common faith in our one Savior, Jesus Christ. Believer, when you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you knew you had to be a part of a local body. The Holy Spirit, if He truly lives in us, leads us to this thirst for local expressions of Christ's body where we can hear the Word preached, we can be baptized, we can take part in Holy Communion and learn from and teach others as well. When you came to faith, you also, hopefully, having been baptized into the church and entered into the local body of Christ. But when you came to faith, your main concern was not what people look like or what social class they are or a certain style. No, your main concern is that the true gospel of Christ is preached and that we have a concern for building one another up in the holy faith. This one, this one body is to be unified in this. Our unity is in the gospel. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, death on the cross for our sin, his burial, and his resurrection from the dead. And those who believe in him are then to be gathered into a unified local body. So with all this, our thirst for individualism takes a direct hit. We die to ourselves that others may live. Now, make no mistake, my debt is paid in full by Christ's blood. My righteousness is purchased by his righteous life. I owe nothing to God because Christ has earned it all. So my vertical relationship is established and finished. However, now my horizontal relationship to my brothers and sisters, now it remains to be understood. I am no longer in debt to God, but I am always in debt to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I owe them. We owe each other. We are responsible for one another because we are one with each other. And you can learn so much from sports, can you? I learned a whole lot from playing sports. It's not just entertaining, but you learn a lot about life. Of course, right now we have March Madness going on, the NCAA basketball tournament, which is now sad for me as an Alabama fan, no longer being a part of that. Still learning, being sanctified. You know, in this tournament, or any uh, team sports, you know, there, there are no individuals competing. They are all teams. They are all units. That being said, what happens when the individual team member fouls someone? The whole team is penalized. On the flip side, when the team wins the national championship, every individual member gets a ring, no matter how much or how little they played. The individual is still the individual, but the individual is subservient to the team. In the same way, you and I are individuals, unique with different gifts and talents and viewpoints on some things. Yet you and I are subservient as individual church members to the body as a whole. So what does this look like? Well, do we know our responsibility as church members and who we take in as members? We as a church are responsible who we, we let in and who we send out. We have a responsibility to get to know them beyond just reading their testimony. How can we be unified if we don't even know each other? How can we build up someone in the faith that we don't know? And if it's evident that this is a new believer, they've just confessed Christ and been baptized, well, they need someone to take them along and mentor them in the faith. And maybe that's you. Now, this, this does not mean that you have to know everybody in the church at the same level. It's not possible. You can't. As a church grows, it is, is impossible to know everybody at the same level. But, but we should all seek to know all of each other at some level, if possible. We also carry our responsibility for unity in our decision-making. We are a congregational church, so we, we do take the priesthood of every believer seriously, and we believe the keys of the kingdom are, belong to the church, not a magisterium of clerics outside of the local body. So the decisions we make as a church, although, of course, guided by the Holy Spirit and led by our elders, is still the responsibility of all of us as members. 
Look down at verse 26. Let's get into the really, really practical level. Verse 26 and 27. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. My brother's pain and suffering is my pain and suffering. His cancer diagnosis is my cancer diagnosis. Her loss of a child is my loss of a child. And on the flip side, his job promotion is my job promotion. Her birth of her child is my birth of a child. So do you you get it? Uh, Their burdens are my burdens. Their triumphs are my triumphs. See, I die. I die. And when you commit to a local body, you die so that others may live. And this is a, a reciprocal relationship we all have with one another. It's not just my small group of friends within the church, but with the whole church. So we, we portray the body of Christ in our unity. Christ is not divided. Christ is one body. And every member of this body is unique. And that leads us to the second point, that church membership portrays the body of Christ in our diversity. Look at verses 14 through 25 of chapter 12. <clears throat> For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, again, the the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those members of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable members are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable members do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the member that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Oftentimes, when we join a church, we ask, what is my spiritual gift? And, and this is a good question. Make no mistake, that is a good question. But it's the wrong first question. The correct first question is, what is my responsibility? Before we get into the roles and gifts, we have to know our responsibility. And what is our responsibility as a church member? To build up one another in the faith. All things are to be done for edification. We build relationships with one another and disciple one another. We need one another. That is my responsibility. Now, someone who intentionally separates himself or herself from the body is essentially saying, I don't need you and you don't need me. Well, the Apostle Paul has something to say about that. Look at verses 14 and 15 again. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it even less part of the body. 
Paul elaborates on the body metaphor here and explains that through the diversity of parts, or literally, uh, in the original, it should be translated members, each one of us is essential. Not all of us have the same role. Some are pastors, some are Sunday school teachers, some work in youth, some in nursery, but all have the same responsibility. Some have a more visible role, some you never see because they're behind the scenes. I'm thankful for a microphone that speaks due to the people that are behind the scenes. But we all have the same responsibility. We as individual church members are to build one another up in the faith, to encourage one another, to rebuke one another, to serve one another, to teach one another, to listen to one another. So you may not have a title, but you have a responsibility. We are all important to each other. There may be a diversity in gifts and titles and personalities, but there's a uniformity and responsibility. I'll look again at verse 18 and uh, verses 24 and 25. 18, it says, but, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. And verses 24 and 25 it says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division of the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You'll notice throughout this whole passage that God is the actor. He is the orchestrator. The body of Christ, the church, is arranged in the way it is in accordance with his will. The church is his creation, not man's. Church membership is his idea, not man's. He has arranged this diverse body as he chose. And why did he arrange it this way in a unified diversity? To display his his glory, his character, obviously. There's more detail. The diversity of individuals promotes the unity the world cannot understand. And through this diversity of gifting, class, et cetera, et cetera, there will be a uniformity of care for one another because we all know Jesus Christ. And because he is the one that has redeemed us, we have this reciprocal relationship with one another. We've been reconciled to God and to one another. So do you wonder about your role in the church? That's good. You want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. But ask yourself, why do I want to be used? Is it for the building up of myself or the building up of the body? For my ego or for the benefit of my brother and sister in Christ? And it is when we don't ask those questions of ourselves, jealousy and despair come in peek its ugly head into our lives and cause division, as we see in this Corinthian letter. That person gets to do this. This person is better at me at this. So what? So what? Praise God. There will always be someone better at you at something. It's God who's at work anyway. He's the one that is working through the instruments we call human beings. And that is free. The advancement of the kingdom of God is not dependent upon me. 
It's just out of his grace, he uses me and you. And that may be for much or maybe for little according to his sovereign will. So here's another question to ask. Have we been separating ourselves from the body by not attendance, by not being here at the gathering? Now, we're not talking about our homebound members, those who cannot physically be here due to physical disabilities. Now, there should be a, a special ministry for those. No, it's for those who, who, for one reason or another, have forsaken the fellowship of the corporate gathering. Now listen, for the sake of your soul, do not do this. And members, if you notice any other members doing this, we must seek after them and draw them back to the fold. That's our responsibility. And to continue with this body metaphor, think about a severed limb like an arm. What happens when it's not reattached to the body? It rots. It decays. And Satan is prowling around like a lion in order to kill. He lies, and we join in his lies when we say we don't need the body. And all of this, what about the church leadership of elders, pastors? There's a distinction in the membership here, is there? Well, uh, yes, yeah, a special gifting, yes, there is. Within every local body, we designate a few to oversee the church. But what is the distinction if we believe in the priesthood of all believers? Well, the elders are set apart to the ministry of the word of teaching and preaching and to the oversight of the sacraments, the ordinances of baptism and Lord's Supper. That's what distinguishes them as leadership within the gathered body, that oversight. But what about outside the gathering? Visitation, counseling, discipleship, evangelism. Well, they do this both as a pastor and as a church member. What do you mean by that? Leadership does this just like every member should. But they've been called to be exemplary in this, to to exemplify this as an example to the church. As the Apostle Paul repeated to the saints in many of his letters, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The leadership is to be an example of how a church member is to minister. They don't do the ministry for us. They do it with us as an example. So discipling, counseling, evangelism, visiting the sick and the homebound is an every member ministry that the leadership provides us examples for. So, even in our diversity, there is unity. The hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. You are of no use to me. We all need each other. (laughs) Life in this fallen world is impossible to live alone without Christ's redeemed body around us. We need each other. The apostle teaches us in this section of 1 Corinthians, that church membership portrays the body of Christ in our unity and diversity so we can know our responsibility as a church member. So how, how can we practice our responsibility as a church member? Well, first of all, let's start off with, let's confess that we often have failed miserably at this, me included. I have failed so many times as a church member, not, not realizing my responsibility, not practicing my responsibility. That's all of us. We need to repent and and confess this to the Lord. 
We must confess this to the Lord and to one another. But at the same time, to the confessor, confessee, we remind each other that our sins are forgiven in Christ. We confess and we assure the other of the pardon in Christ. As we know the gospel. And now we can think through how we may properly serve one another. Here are some other ways. Take our church covenant and read it continually. We have copies here and on the website. Every member here agrees to a church, the church covenant. We read it at church business meetings. But think about reading it in your personal uh, uh, daily disciplines of prayer and Bible study, including that in. It's really our church uh, discipleship manual. It's essentially a, a compilation of the, and summary of all the one another's in the New Testament. There's nothing in here that's not in the Bible. It's all the one another's of the church in the Bible that we've committed ourselves to walk in. It explains the New Testament passages of building one another up in the Lord inside and outside of the Sunday gathering. And we practice this. What does this look like? We practice this by meeting regularly with one another. Discussing, discussing scripture together, confessing our sins to one another, sharing the gospel with one another, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the lost together. It's not a complicated program. It's simple. It's just walking in, in these New Testament one another's. Another way is, is taking our church directory. Every member should have one of these. and praying through the names of the list. Is there someone on the list that you haven't seen in a while? Well, you can call them up and meet with them and see how they're doing. Maybe someone who's sick. You know, so I've been praying for them, praying for the sick. I can go and catch up with them, see how they're doing. Seeing how I can encourage them in the faith. Having their names in front of you leads you to pray for them and sparks your mind to remember to reach out to them. Or if they are homebound, we can go visit with them and read scripture with them and pray with them at their home. And pray for those who are overseas in the military that can't physically be there here as well. I have no choice of their own. They're serving our military. We can uh, pray for them diligently. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian or don't know if you are or not, first of all, Let's be clear. Church membership doesn't save you. Faith alone in Christ saves you. And the natural fruit of this faith will will lead to being drawn to submit to a local gospel preaching church. But you have to have an understanding of the gospel first. You heard earlier about the importance of confessing our sins. Now, why would we do that? Because God is holy. And his law is good and holy. And he alone is, should be worshipped. And he demands that we do not lie, do not steal, do not undermine authority. The problem is every single one of us breaks these laws. There's not one of us that doesn't break these laws of God. And the just penalty for these transgressions is eternity and judgment apart from his glory. But you remember what we've been talking about who we've been talking about. Jesus. Jesus is God the Son. He is one with the Father. He came as a man and fulfilled all of his commands. He died on the cross for our sins that we would be forgiven. 
for there has to be a judgment on sin because God is just. And all sin is punished, whether on you or on Christ on the cross. But Jesus rose from the grave, and he will one day come again. And if you confess your sin and believe that Jesus died for you, you will be forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future. And you'll be saved from his punishment. Jesus' perfect life will be put onto your account. And you must call on him to forgive you for sin. Call on him to save you. And if you do, he will. And the next step of discipleship, once you've confessed Christ, you believed on him, the next step is to submit to be baptized. Baptized in the church. And when you're baptized, you are now part of the church. You are now a member of the body of Christ. And if you have any questions about these things, well, here's what you do. Talk to the person that's right next to you, a church member that love to talk to you about what it means to, to walk in Christ. We'd all love to see you come to know Jesus and to help you grow in him, because you know why? Because that's all of ours, that's all of our responsibility. To share the gospel, to build one another up in the faith, to have responsibility over one another. If you're a believer, but have not joined a local body yet, we would love for you to join us. And then there's a process where we can help you with that. We'd love to talk to you about that. However, there are other gospel preaching churches here in this area that we would love to recommend if you're closer to one of those. The point is, we care about whether you're plugged into a local body where the gospel of Christ is preached. That's, that's our heart's desire. It could be here or someone else, or somewhere else, but that is our heart's desire that you grow in the faith. The kingdom of God is beyond our gathering. But you must be in a part of a part of a gathering. Church, we are beloved of God, and we are covered in the Savior's blood and His righteousness. We are free before the eyes of God, and we are now free to serve our brothers and sisters and see them grow in the Lord. Why? Because Christ is the body. And we are his members. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we are your body and individually members of it. May we rest in the assurance of the gospel and serve our fellow members in the freeness of the same gospel. And we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen.